All right, well, week three of Nehemiah. And if you haven't uh, been able to be here for it, uh, just, you know, please tune in online. All of our messages are live on Facebook and you can listen to those there. But um, don't feel like you missed out from the standpoint of um, this this message will make sense, even if you missed one or two of the other ones. Um, But really the the summary of the book of Nehemiah is, um, it's kind of right, it's found sort of right towards the middle of the Bible, and it's, it takes place 500 years before Christ. And the reason why that's important is because a lot of the Old Testament takes place way before that, uh, and it's all significant, but what takes place with Nehemiah really sets the stage for Jesus to come on the scene, because um, there was 400 years of silence before Jesus came or really John the Baptist for that matter, because he came and and was like the first voice in 400 years. So so you look at 500 years before Christ and Nehemiah was really central to almost the last major event before Christ. And what took place in Nehemiah is, you remember Daniel and the lion's den? Well, that all took place in Babylon. The the, the people uh, got taken from their homeland, Israel, Jerusalem, into Babylon to captivity. And that's where Daniel and the lion's den took place. And then in Ezra, the book of Daniel takes place in the middle of Ezra, the book of Ezra. In Ezra, his people are delivered back to Jerusalem, Israel, where they are now, right? God's land, his people. And the book of Ezra kind of explains a little bit of that exodus. And then Nehemiah comes on the scene and Nehemiah didn't write Nehemiah. He's the main character in the book of Nehemiah. Ezra wrote the book of Nehemiah, so it could also be called second Ezra. And he explains what takes place next after the people of God get back to their land. Now, Nehemiah is just a character. He's a, he's a man of God, God the, a person that God uses. And he realizes that in Jerusalem, where God's people are, they're without a wall. They're without protection and identity. And we covered that in the first uh, week of the series. They're, they're, they're lacking that significance of purpose identity and security because they don't have a wall. And so we've kind of tackled that. And so this week we are specifically talking about building together because we're in Nehemiah 3. And Nehemiah 3 is one of those chapters that you could very easily skip. It's kind of like Matthew chapter 1. Anybody ever read Matthew chapter 1? You've probably skipped over it because there's it's called the genealogy chapter. There's a lot of, and this person begot this person, which, do you use the word begot? I don't use that word. Maybe we should start. I don't know. It's kind of a cool word, begot. But, but there's a lot of that. And it's like the genealogy. And it's important because we want to know where ultimately Christ came from and the genealogy of all of that. But it's kind of a skip over chapter. Well, Nehemiah chapter three is a little bit like that because it really highlights and outlines who all was a part of building this wall. Have you ever felt insignificant? You ever felt like just a number? You ever felt like just somebody in the stands or somebody in the seats? Like no one, like what, what kind of a difference could I possibly make? Well, these, these chapters, specifically Nehemiah three, really highlights the importance of every person, every individual, every family. And so we see a phrase that comes up and the phrase is next to them. And we'll see it in this verse. Go ahead and throw it up there. In Nehemiah chapter three, verse two, it says next to this person, the men of Jericho built. 
And everyone say it with me. Next to them, this person, the son of that person, built. Next to them. Now what's interesting is that in this chapter of chapter 3, there's 41 different listings of tribes that built. And that's the whole chapter. These, I counted them. 41 different people groups. And in the middle of that, 15 different times in this one chapter, that phrase was mentioned. Next to them. And then next to them, they built. And then next to them was this family and these people, descendants of this boy. And then next to them, oh, and then next to them, this happened. A whole chapter around this idea. And so I want to cover and tackle this idea of community because it's a massive deal and it's under full on assault from the enemy. Amen. Community building's hard. I mean, it would be super easy if it didn't involve people. <laughs> but because people are involved, it's just difficult. Part of the challenge that we face is sort of this westernized version of individual Christianity. It's just me and Jesus. I got a Bible. I got the Lord. And I really don't need anybody else. Now, I'll go to church. Maybe I even go to a small group. But at the end of the day, man, it's me and God. We're going on this journey together. And that sounds really awesome, but it's just not biblical at all. In fact, when, when the first Bibles were scribed, a village had a Bible, not an individual. And they would get together and they would read scripture together and they would go, okay, what do you guys think? What's God doing? But now we all just take our Bible and we go do our own thing and we have our own quiet time, which is awesome. And then we just go, that's enough. It's me and God. We're just doing this together. It's amazing. I want to read a scripture out of Acts chapter two because that kind of thinking sounds awesome because you can control that world. You haven't allowed any flawed people into the equation other than you, of course, but you can get a handle on you sometimes. Acts chapter two, this is the description of this amazing church, this movement that God was building. And he said that not even the gates of hell would stand against this church. He didn't say the gates of hell won't stand against you and your Bible and yourself between you and God. He said, the, not even the gates of hell can stand against my church that I'm building, which includes you and other people. Acts chapter two, verse 42 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Pause right there. The word fellowship means koinonia. And um, that word specifically breaks down this beautiful thing that's only possible with Christ and other people. It's a combination of Jesus, a Jesus-centered community coming together, putting Jesus in the middle of it. And it's this beautiful thing that God creates and it's only possible in that environment. And it's absolutely electric. And they said that they devoted themselves to the teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. 
and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I'll tell you, like, this is really the, the passion and heartbeat of this church. If you've been a part of this church, you know it's kind of the sweet sauce is what Philip and I have said from the beginning when we started meeting in this little house and had this idea of like the sweet sauce. And we started talking about it as like the um, little bit of like Southern hospitality. Have you ever been to the South? Don't you love Southern hospitality? You just feel like people want you there. People are friendly. They're like, wow, this is amazing. And we always thought like, what if we had this community that was so electric because there was a beautiful community where everybody was reaching out, connecting and loving one another authentically and genuinely. And it wasn't an environment where we just had a bunch of spectators and consumers. What if we could build something like that? Would you want to be a part of it? I would. Anybody with me? So um, building community is the hardest thing you will ever do at church. Hands down. Hands down the most difficult. Anybody ever been burned before by a person? Anybody ever been stabbed in the back? Anybody ever had to deal with unforgiveness, hurt, bitterness, frustration because another flawed human being just didn't do their part? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, look at marriage. Marriage is hard. I mean, you have two immensely flawed human beings coming together to try to make something not immensely flawed, right? (laughs) It's hard. And yet, how many know that the hardest things in life are the most beautiful? Like raising teenagers. Hello. (laughs) Hard and beautiful, right? Well, one of the lies that we believe, though, in regards to this idea of community building, and I know that, uh, that Nehemiah had to, 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 to deal with as well, is the lie that we believe is, especially in this westernized culture and especially in the westernized church environment, is struggle means bad. Lack of struggle means good. And in other words, especially in our walk, in our faith and things like this, like when we bump up against struggle, it's like, oh, maybe God's not in this because God doesn't want me to struggle, right? God's all about smooth pathway. And so when we bump up against something that's difficult, we just go, nah, that's too hard. God must not be in that. Where do we get this idea? Oh, I know, America. That's where we got this idea. America. And the reason for that is because of consumerism. I love consumerism because you have a bunch of stores and businesses out there that are really working hard to remove the struggle, to make our lives better. I mean, genuinely, authentically. Have you ever been to another country like Europe? They missed this concept. Because you go to a restaurant or a coffee shop in Europe and it's like you're doing them a disservice and an inconvenience by going to their store, going to their restaurant. It's like you walk in and you're like, I'm so sorry for inconveniencing you. I know that you've got other things to do, but can I please buy a cup of coffee? I mean, that's literally how you feel in different countries. But America, it's like all about how can I 
Remove the struggle from you. And, and, and this ultimately is consumerism. It's about trying to remove the struggle, making it easier for you so you'll buy. Right? Imagine two coffee shops on the, same, on the same street. And one shop owner comes out and he looks and he, he watches somebody and they park and they get out of their car and they have to walk across the street to the coffee shop, they have to open the door and then go in and they have to stand in line and order. And then after they get their coffee, they have to turn around and they have to open the door again. And then they have to walk all the way to their car and get in. And the, and, and the guy's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a drive through I'm going to totally eliminate the struggle so that way they will come and buy from my coffee shop, not because I have better coffee, but because it's just easier. Anybody love drive through Starbucks? Come on, somebody. And I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking our society that's just like, we have a bunch of people that are constantly trying to figure out how can we make it easier for you, better for you, less struggle so that you'll buy, so you'll spend money. We don't even have to go grocery shopping anymore. They deliver it right to our, our home. Unbelievable, right? It's amazing. So we live in this culture. We love this culture. And then we expect this culture. So then... We go to church. And community is hard. Faith is hard. Giving is hard. Serving is hard. It's inconvenient. And we're totally confused. Like, I'm not used to struggle. I mean, in other areas, maybe in relationships I am, but in regards to like, doing stuff. I'm used to business owners like really going out of their way to make this easy for me. And so in the westernized church world, across the nation, churches have adopted this model. How can we make drive-through church? Just make it easy. If I make it easy for you, then you'll come. If I eliminate all the things that make church difficult, then you will be a part of it and it will be amazing. You guys are like, wow, this is, we went deep all of a sudden. I'm super convicted here. I wrote this, a drive-through version of community costs you nothing developing spectators rather than participants. And I, I can tell you this, Heart Church does not have spectators. We don't have consumers. And community's hard. I mean, honestly, we, I intentionally don't create like systems so that you can get into community by just like signing up. I mean, can you imagine going into a church and just like signing your name on a list of like, I want to be connected in community. Relationships take work. If they're going to be real, authentic, meaningful, it's, it's a struggle. It's a beautiful struggle that we lean into. I, I ran across this. 
And, and you guys, uh, I'm sure have heard this kind of illustration, but I loved the way that this person worded this. Uh, and I found it online. It says this, a man found a cocoon of an emperor moth. He took it home so he could see it come out of the cocoon. On the day a small opening appeared, he sat and watched the moth for several hours as it struggled to force its body through the small hole. After a while, it seemed to stop making any progress. It appeared it had gone as far as it could and couldn't go any farther. It just seemed to be stuck. The man in his kindness decided to help the moth. And so with a pair of scissors, he snipped off the remaining bit of the cocoon. The moth then emerged with ease. It had a swollen body and shriveled wings. The man continued to watch the moth, expecting that it would at any moment that its wings would enlarge and expand to be able to support the swollen body. Neither happened. In fact, the little moth spent the rest of his life crawling around with a swollen body and shriveled wings, never able to fly. What the man in his haste did not understand is that the restricted cocoon, did not understand is that the restricted cocoon and the struggle required for the moth to get through the tiny opening was nature's way of forcing fluid from the body into its wings so that it would be ready for flight. Freedom and flight would only come after the struggle. By depriving the moth of the struggle, the man unknowingly deprived it of its life. Wow. Amazing. The struggle. God has incredible things in store for us in community. And it's the way that he designed it. And so I'm going to spend the next 15 minutes unpacking three ideas, but they're not three ideas of how to get into community. Because I'm going to treat you like adults who know how to have relationships with others. It's just hard. And so I want to talk about what God wants to release to you in community. I want to talk about this incredible blessing that God has that you can't get outside of community. You just can't. We were not created for it to be me and God. We were not created to come to church, be in environments, and just like, you know what? I'm good to sit on the back. I'm going to bounce early and come late. And I'm just really, I don't need all that other stuff because like I've got my Bible and I've got God. And so I check the church off the, off the list and I don't need all that. There is an incredible blessing found when we struggle a bit and we go, you know what? I'm going to be a part of this family. When I first met Heather, um, her family did not make it easy because they were trying to figure out, is this guy for real? Dads, you know what I'm talking about, right? When your daughter's going to bring home somebody, I ain't going to make it easy on, on, on them. They're going to have to earn Haley, right? Shotgun and all. They're going to have to earn it. I'm not going to make it easy. Why? Because it's the most precious thing I have is to give away Haley. 
And so they have to get through me. They got to rip open that cocoon on their own. I ain't, I ain't got no scissors. I'm not going to let it make it happen for them. They're going to get it, make it because of the struggle is so important. And when I met Heather, I remember like it was yesterday, her brother sat down with me, her, her bigger, older brother. And he's like, what are your intentions? And then he's like, all right, well, we'll see over the next couple of months. Like, we'll see if you're for real. And it was hard and he wasn't nice. And it was like conflict and prickly. And I had to like work through all that, but it was worth it. And so here at Heart Church, like we so believe in creating an environment that's extremely welcoming and extremely um, accepting. But to get past the layer of like, okay, I feel welcomed. I feel accepted to the next layer of, I have deep, meaningful, authentic relationships of people that I feel like would take a bullet for me. When I'm, when, I, when, I, when I'm headed to the hospital because somebody that I love is sick, these are the people I'm calling and they're going to come out in the middle of the night and meet me in the parking lot and extend hands because with COVID you can't go in the hospitals. So we're going to be in the parking lot extending hands to the hospitals and believe in God. Those are the people because I've, I've gone past that layer and I have those people in my life. And they've released something to me and I've released something to them and I'm better for it. That layer doesn't come because you signed up on a form or sat in the back and said, it's hard. It came because you said, you know what? There is, there is gold in there and I'm gonna dig. I'm just gonna keep showing up. What do you tell your kids when they come home from school and it's just like, kids are mean. I can't find friends. I mean, I've dealt with this with Haley. It's like, it's hard. Kids are mean. What do you say? You know what, Haley? You should give up on relationships because it's too hard. So just go sit in the back and then when class is done, bounce. And then just come home because we're all you need. What I would have is a moth with a swollen body and shriveled wings never able to fly. That's what we have. So we're not going to do that, are we? We're not going to do this parents. And we're not going to do that as husband and wives, and as people. We're going to say, no, we're going to dig into something here and find the magic. Come on. Right? Okay. Three things that God releases to us in community. Community releases God's grace. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. This is a promise from God's word. He gives grace to the humble. Can I tell you the most arrogant thing you could possibly say? I don't need anybody. I'm good. Nah, I've got, I got my fam, my family, and we're good. Like, we don't need anybody. I don't need anybody. You know the most humbling thing you can say? I actually need people in my life. I can't do this on my own. I need you. So humbling. The world says that's weak. Oh yeah, but God says that when you're weak, you're strong. And so God releases grace. There's two scriptures, put them up there, Matthew 18 and Psalm 13. And again, this is just describing God's way. This is God's way. This is how he designed it. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Now we know that you can go by yourself and be with God. And I encourage you to do that. But there is something special that takes place when we get together and we link arms and we link hearts 
and we believe for something together. God's there in a special way. His grace is there. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, for I have commanded a blessing there. Later on in the passage, it talks about the oil that flows down Aaron's beard. Aaron's the priest, and the oil represents the anointing. That there's an anointing and a grace upon when we dwell together in unity. This is God's way, this koinonia fellowship. Second thing God releases is community releases God's voice. This is one of the most powerful things and the most overlooked. Did, I, did you know that one of the most main reason, main ways God speaks is through his people? I mean, just, just read the Bible. I mean, not making it up. Did you know that five of the nine spiritual gifts are about God's people, his community? God speaking through his community to us. God using you to speak to me and you to speak to me, and you to speak to her. That, this is the way God designed it, is that he uses people and community to speak to us. Now, it doesn't, step, it, 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 it doesn't uh, make, mean that God doesn't speak to you individually. God will use his community to confirm what he's already put in your heart, right? So we don't, we don't let other people hear from God for us, but he uses them, doesn't he? To encourage and to edify and to point you in a direction that God's already put in there and he's used his word to do that. But God uses his community to speak to you because guess what? You have blind spots. And the definition of a blind spot is something that you are blind to. So you can't see it. And every wife in the room said, hello, preach to my husband. <laughs> and so this means that we need each other. I almost married the wrong person. And I know it was the wrong person because it wasn't Heather. And I went to premarital. We looked at rings, y'all. Oh, yeah. wow. And I knew in my heart of hearts that it wasn't God. But I was an idiot and I blew past that still small voice and I was moving forward. And I'll never forget, God used my mom and God used my youth pastor to speak into my life. And they said, we have some red flags. You can listen to them or not. You probably have red flags that you're not listening to. So let us be the ones that say we have some red flags here. We're not saying she's not the one. We're just saying maybe not marry her right now because we have some red flags. And because I, the grace of God, I listened. I didn't marry the wrong person. I, I got to marry Heather. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people about a mess they've made in their life because a decision they made in a vacuum. Just me and God, I got this, right? It's just this like thing, oh, I can, I can, I can make these decisions because God's speaking to me and I'm good, except you have blind spots, right? You, I know you think you got it, but there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. And, and listen, put this up there, speak into my life. This is the best thing you could possibly say to your community. Speak into my life. This is the most mature thing you could possibly say to your community. This is so profound. Speak into my life. Can I tell you, I've got a group of people, men and women, who I have said this to. Speak into my life. 
I don't want to be the guy or the gal that's walking around with this huge blind spot, but everyone's tiptoeing around, right? You don't want to be the person that everyone has to tiptoe around you because when they bring it up, you get defensive. Because you have bought into the lie that I got this. I need you for your friendship. When I want to have a good time, we can hang out. But like the really meaningful things, I have this whole area here. You don't need to speak into that. I got this. <laughs> right? Everyone's like, really? You're missing the whole point. We can see things, right? You're running towards a cliff. No, I got this. Right? No, seriously, it's a cliff. Speak into my life. If you don't have people that are not your family that you've said this to, that are spiritual, godly people, you're missing a beautiful gem that God has given you as a gift. This is the body. We fight for one another. We encourage one another. Hmm. <laughs> Lastly, community releases God's strength. We've, we've bought into this lie. We celebrate together, struggle alone. Celebrate together, community, when God's doing good stuff and I'm on a, 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 in a good place. Man, I love having community around me and we can talk about how good God is. But when I'm in a dark hole somewhere, especially when I put me there or, or I'm ashamed about my circumstances, we love to struggle alone, don't we? Tell you what, seven years ago, I had an all-time low. And, and I made some choices in my life that I never would have made had I had the community that I have around me today. And listen, I led men's groups at the time. I was a pastor. I encouraged people to get into small groups. I was a dealer. I just wasn't using. I love to dish it out. Like, hey, you should get connected. Hey, you should do this. Hey, you should do the men's room. Just programs. Sign up. Which is why I'm so passionate about this, that it's not a program. This is not a program. This is life. And I chose, before seven years ago, I chose to not really dig in. I was around it all the time, but I never really let people in. And because of that, I crashed and burned. God has given you incredible strength. You are not meant to struggle alone. Some of the most amazing, courageous things that you could ever do is bring a group of people together, let them in and say, I need you. I need you when I'm doing great and I need you when I'm struggling. I'm gonna be authentic and I'm gonna be honest and I'm gonna re receive the strength that God's gonna release to me through my community. So I'll tell you what, like with Heart Church, when we do stuff, I come. 
And you probably think that's funny because I'm the pastor and I have to come. But can I tell you, the moment that I don't want to come, we're changing something. Because I want to be a part of a church where I love to be at. And I come because it's life and because I need it. So when we open these doors, I come to everything. Not because I have to, but because I actually want to. I know the benefit of this in my own life. I have experienced the lack of this in my own life. I know what it's like to go to church and not dive in. I know what it's like to be around the family and not be a part of the family. And I'm telling you, there is a world of difference. And God wants to release some incredible things in our life. And most of us have dove into this. And I just want to encourage you and, 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 and high five you and say, please continue to dig into this because this is the thing that Jesus said, I'm building, and not even the gates of hell, not even the demonic forces, not even the things in our society, not the things in your neighborhood, not the things that are dark things in your soul, not even those things can stand against the church that I'm building. So come on, let's come together. Let's come together. And let's do like look, Nehemiah said. Let's build. Let's build up one another. Let's build up our lives. Let's build up our families. Let's build up the next generation together. Father God, I thank you for what you're doing at Heart Church. God, I thank you that there's no formula for this. It's not, it's not a simple two plus two equals four, but God, it's us as your people saying, I am all in to community. And Jesus, I just thank you for the families that you have brought to this community and the amazing things you're doing in and through our lives. And so we say yes to your grace. We say yes to your voice in our lives. And we say yes to your strength, Jesus, that buoys us up when we need it, keeping our, our, our head above the clouds and soaring like wings on eagles. This is your promise and this is what we believe as your community. Release it now in Jesus' name. Amen.